Uh, so we live. Where is it? We at? live. There it is. <laughs> All right. Uh, Coach's corner with Mr. Bryce Cox, as I've been told, the the one and only, the original. <laughs> um, I will let him introduce himself, and we'll get going. Uh, what's up, guys? I uh, appreciate y'all having me. Uh, not much to say. Bryce Cox going on what? I guess you would say nine years or maybe even 12, you count uh, GA ships. So I'm currently here at Kent State, Director of Basketball, Sports, and Performance, where I'm in charge of men's and women's basketball and all aspects of training and conditioning and just, you know, one one level short of babysitting. So, yeah, that's my role. <laughs> one level short of babysitting. <laughs> They're going to get you for that. Um, yeah. But – all right, so this was awesome, man. Like, um, like I did like a little short spill whenever I posted about this podcast. Um, a lot of things that I've learned during my internship at Coastal. Now, I don't want to say like everything because I learned a lot from different people. You know, Coach Stoner, Coach Woods, Coach Jones. Um, pretty sure that was it. On I had to think for a second. I think that was it on that staff at that time. But um, uh, Bryce was big on the therapy side of things. You know, he was an, he was another person that was like an athlete like me. Stayed in the tra- in the training room a lot, so you learn a lot of different things. And whenever you start being a coach, you're like, "Hey, these are the small things you need to do." I remember sitting down as an intern. I'd be like, "Hey, how do I make a warm up?" And he was like, "All right, start from the feet and then go up." And then he was like, "Okay," and I didn't even think about stuff like that. So he was like, "All right, start with the feet, go to the ankles, go to the calf, you know, knee going all the way up, and just little small things." So I learned a lot from Bryce, and you know, even when it came to training basketball. Um, he was the first guy I worked with with training basketball. Um, Coach Woods, I did. Uh, I think at that time, Coach Woods was doing uh, women's basketball. Um, so, like, I would bounce off of each other, um, off of the, off both of them, because it's different, not necessarily different aspects, because obviously men's basketball and women's basketball is pretty similar. You just got two different genders. Definitely got to make sure I say that these days, because NCAA <laughs> is enough hell. I don't need to yeah. be a part of that. But... <laughs> But um, definitely, that's what I want to kick it off with. I want to, I mean, I, we're going to get into the basketball strength and conditioning side, but I want to be like real quick, what are your feelings? Because you're you're coaching at Kent State. Um, I mean, y'all fell short to getting to the tournament, but how do you, what's, what, is, what is your thoughts on how the NCAA is treating the men's team versus the female team? Well, uh, I'm glad you guys said because that's something like I'm not like a big social media guy. Like I check it, but other than that, like I don't. I'd rather talk to you in person than put feelings and all that stuff up there. But I have been uh, pretty adamant about this because I have a women's basketball team and I, and I and I love that team to death. I love those athletes. They they work hard. They're tremendous athletes, you know. And uh, I'm sitting here today. I got two TVs running. I got one men's tournament, one women's tournament, and neither one of the teams I coach are in it, but it's just, it's great basketball. If, if you truly are a basketball fan. Um, so when I first saw, let's just clear what, what the men got was great. was everything that they deserved. What the women got was absolutely downright disrespectful. Um, and so that was my, that was my first thing was, wow, how can you be that disrespectful to a group of athletes that are elite and that, um, just put in the time, put in the effort. They deserve the best. Um, and then my second thought was, wow, what does the NCAA think of the strength conditioning rule? Thinking that there are 60 some teams in that area. Let's just give them some dumbbells and like, wow. So, so that's, that's very disrespectful. And then my last thing is what my third thought, and I even tweeted this. My third thought was, Where's our organizations that we pay dues to that says, hey, NCAA, these people are certified to go out and train your athletes. We They pay money. They take the test. Certified. Where's their outrage and saying, hey, every year we talk about the strength conditioning field needs more respect. You mm-hmm. d- I absolutely disrespected the athlete and you disrespected the coaches and you disrespected the profession. I've, I've yet to hear that. All I've seen was we're here to help. And so – those are my first three thoughts. Number one, disrespect to the athletes, disrespect to the profession. And then I was hoping our organizations would just step up and, and swing a big hammer like they talk about at conferences. But I think the I think the biggest thing is, you know, as coaches, especially being um, I mean, let's be real, a support role when it comes to strength and conditioning. A lot of us or not a lot of us, but a lot of some other coaches, they feel like if they speak up, 
that's going to be their time. They're getting booted out the door. Yeah. So they're scared. They're scared to speak up about certain little things. I remember when it first came out, like at, at first, I really just thought it was just a hoax. You know, I yeah. saw the one photo and then Dude, the other one. You can't be sure anymore. Yeah, because the, the first time I saw it, I was like, man, stop crying. Like, let's be <laughs> yeah. real. It's basketball. When are y'all going to work out during this tournament? And I was just, you know, just being funny because when you're talking about basketball, and I'm not going to name any coaches um, that are out there, but let's be real. During end season, if we can bring a basketball athlete in the weight room, that's a miracle for some teams. Yeah. So you- in my mind, I'm like, during this tournament, they're not going to that weight room. What? Mm-hmm. Who's crying about what? I'm just thinking like the guys and the girls were going to be sharing the weight room all together. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the, that's the thing. And that's the other thing that I've also uh, been talking about was like, maybe on once we get through this, the, the light will be shining bigger and brighter for us and for uh, women's basketball and other, other uh, women's sports that are, that are not getting to the respect that they deserve. But like you be under, you, there's some of the most brilliant minds on the women's basketball side that just, mm-hmm some absolute i mean it just blows my mind like how much smarter they are than me and it's there's males there's female coaches it doesn't matter over there on the women's side that are doing some some exactly great things but even like you said yeah there are programs out there that unfortunately don't rely on strength conditioning as much as you would think um right whether it's lack of knowledge lack of trust or it's just something that they're so old school they've never really done mm-hmm. but at the other time there's on the other side of things excuse me, there's, there's, there's programs that heavily rely on. You got to think if you're playing Monday, let's, let's use today for instance. Today was the first, first day of the women's basketball tournament. So they're going to play today. They win, they sit out tomorrow and then they play again on Tuesday. So that's three days when you can get it. If you can get in there and get some quick active recovery, some quick flush the system out, uh, alleviate some soreness and stuff like that. Like, like that's a pretty volatile tool you know and so um there's some teams that are uh, that are even on both sides that, that do a game day lift like that's part of their routine mm-hmm. you get in there and get a workout in on that day what if you have athletes that are trying to rehab that you know maybe they're not cleared on day one but on day two three or four they might be cleared but they still need to get in there and push the central nervous system a little bit so um you got a lot of odds and ends of the spectrum here, um, but just like we talked about earlier, it just comes down to disrespect in all all phases, no matter how you look at it. Yeah, I mean, even on the women's volleyball side, when I was with Coastal those couple of years, and I got put in charge of whenever we traveled, as I guess quote an intern at the time, um, <laughs> it was you know it was one of those things. We were at I think Arkansas State. I think is what it was. Yeah, we were at Arkansas State, and um, I was in charge of their lift. We had to go in, and I had to use what I what was in there, and that was it. I had to do every single thing, but it was something that, like you said, man, there's not a lot of thought process that goes behind it, and the normal human being does not know that. You know, yeah. it's, the, it's the whole general public population that's like outraged over it, but they don't understand all the little things like, you know, sometimes you have to use the auxiliary gym, maybe you have to use the auxiliary uh, weight room. You don't know. Right. I mean, you get thrown around all over the place. And sometimes it's a last minute thing. Yeah, for sure. They're, I mean, time filler. Yeah. <laughs> adapt, adapt and adjust, be ready to go, you know. Uh, so that's 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 not uncommon at all. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, we've all worked with female sports. And, I mean, we all can literally say we've learned a lot, learned a lot when it comes to coaching, when it comes to females versus males, you know. Males, you can just not necessarily say whatever you want, but males are easy to talk to, easy to coach. I feel like you really, really learn how to coach when you have females, not necessarily like breaking it down because they're a female and trying to mansplain things. But like literally they want to be coached because they know, especially with some with most female sports, they know they only have four years. Mm-hmm. And they want to do the best that they can do in those four years because that's pretty much all they got. And it's very rare that you see females red shirt. It's very rare that you see, you know, all these different things that may happen or they even get to continue their sport after college. They don't have as many cho- uh, choices just like the uh, the male sports do. There's not a, a, you know, different little small leagues that females can go to to continue their sport. I mean, there are some for certain ones, but the percentage of them making it to those smaller leagues based on the percentage that are of the guys that are making it is even smaller. 
like cut that in completely in half. Yeah, yeah. I think the, only, I the, the one the one big jump now is what um, athletes unlimited. Yeah, with I mean the big thing was was volleyball where they just started that, and I know softball was another one. I think that that popped up too through that program, mm-hmm. but. You know, same thing, especially with the women's basketball. You know, you can go pro overseas, and you have you have the WNBA. But you know, I started. I, I did a little bit of research into like baseball the other day, and they were talking like it, it expands way beyond triple, double, and single A. You've got your Dominican leagues, you've got your multiple single A leagues, uh, your summer leagues, and you know they're talking some of the you know. Uh, major league programs have 10 to 12 minor league teams. Yeah. And it's, that's crazy to think, man, especially when you look at, and I always wondered as a kid, whenever they, you know, you watch the NFL draft and you're like, Oh man, seven rounds. That's oh, I'd be so cool. And then you look, you're like, that's not a lot of people. And then you look at the MLB draft. I mean, they're throwing in seven, 800 people and you start thinking, where are they putting them to? And you just, and then I start thinking, oh yeah, you know, some people are going to get cut, some people are going to be, you know, put in single, double, and triple, and then you go, that's still not enough. That still doesn't yeah. fill everything, or it or it overflows. Where are they going to put them? Well, and and to mention, not every every baseball uh, athlete that gets drafted says, okay, I'm coming. Yeah, Kyler Murray. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, um, you got uh, we did Tebow. You had Russell yeah. Wilson the same way. You know. Yeah, you you uh, could be in the 49th round pick or whatever, and uh, still say, "Nah, I'm gonna go play JUCO ball, or I'm gonna go play. I'm gonna go commit to what is it? Three? I think once you commit to baseball, college baseball, you have to commit what two, three years, kind of like the NFL yeah. or NCAA football. Like you can't go back and forth. So you can get drafted and just be like, "Nah, I got a better option going to college. Or I got a better option uh, junior college, whatever, you know." So. And that's going to be interesting because uh, hopefully we can get Philip Hart. I asked him to be on a podcast later on um, throughout our schedule. So hopefully we can talk to him and he's working with a minor league team um, mm-hmm. with baseball. He's been in baseball for what the last 10 plus years now. So baseball or an eating contest one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope he, I hope you heard me say that too. <laughs> they do these weird eating contests when they used to go out. He's so over a hundred by the way. So I think one time we bet him he couldn't eat the whole entire kids me- uh, menu in one sitting. He didn't get it done. So it's, <laughs> it's things like that. <laughs> All right, <laughs> that's funny. We'll we'll get on that one later. All right, yeah. so Bryce, let's talk about sports now. Now we got a, we kind of did our spill on the whole women's sports and you know yeah. shame on you NCAA. That's that's where we're all at. <laughs> but um, all right, so let's talk about growing through sports, man. What what. Did, what in your life got you to strength and conditioning? Oh, what? Wow. Uh, loaded question here. Okay. Um, well, I could just remember ever since I was little, I knew I was going to coach. And I always thought I was just going to coach basketball. You know, I thought that was the goal. And then it transitioned to, well, I want to coach college basketball. So I went uh, went to school on a basketball. Well, originally went to school on a basketball scholarship. Got a new basketball coach. Got my spot taken. Didn't get it. Uh, he gave my spot to a junior college kid. So that was like a month before I was getting to step foot on campus. Went to that school anyway. Actually uh, played football <laughs> my uh, freshman year. And then once that season ended, I was playing basketball with the, the actual basketball team, like pickup and stuff. And coach was like, okay, I got a spot for you and you can have it. And I said, okay, I'll take it. So anyway, uh, a la first year of basketball, I'm 6'3", 6'4", 165 pounds, and that it wasn't going to cut it. And so my first year, I just sat the bench the whole year, and then then I lived in the weight room that following year, uh, gained about 25 message. pounds. What's up? No, I was saying message for all yeah. the ones out there. Yeah. Living in the weight room. I wanted That's... to play. And so I gained 25 pounds that summer, uh, rolling into Thanksgiving uh, tournament. Uh, that's, that was what our third, maybe fourth game of the year. Cause we started, we start later than I think we start later. Maybe we start on time. I don't remember. Uh, dislocated my ankle and didn't play again. Got, got right into coaching. And, um, so then when I was, when I was uh, coaching and student teaching and I was, I was still like in all of like the training side, I still went to the weight room every day, still did all that. And really it was just like feeling around in the dark. I had no clue really what I was doing. My extra science background was 
poor was I mean bad was just really bad I just knew I I just know I can coach I like the thing I know I can talk to people and I know I can get them to do things that they need to do and I can dissect you know what what path they need to take to get be successful and so um messed around with that for a little bit once I graduated college I went on to be a personal trainer for about five six months was working part-time at AT AT&T and I was like, man, I miss basketball so bad. I just miss it. I got to get back into it. So then I started my uh, GA ship down at Northwestern State in Louisiana, uh, where I went to just be a basketball GA. Well, they didn't really have a strength conditioning department. I was a certified personal trainer. Still had no clue how to train athletes, just knew how to exercise body parts and why to exercise body parts. And so I got, so I just basically moved over and started working out the basketball team. Then I was working out the volleyball team and then I was working out the women's basketball team. And then I was working out the women's tennis team. And so um, that parlayed into me taking a GA ship at Arkansas uh, with uh, coach Anderson staff and his strength coach, who's my mentor or one of my mentors, uh, David Dietz. And uh, who's now at Tulsa worked there for a year and a half. So roughly I have, almost two, three years of being a GA. And then you got my first full-time gig. Uh, Josh Stoner hired me at Coastal Carolina, was there for four years. And then I went to Missouri State for two years, got fired because the head coach got let go. So we all got let go. So that was an experience. And now I'm here at Kent State, just finished up my third season. So I guess you could say it was just, it just, it allowed me to impact the game of basketball and, it's just something that I've grown into and really loved and just ran with it. Yeah, that's the the rough life of being a support staff coach. Um, <laughs> especially with the – so, like, everybody on here, like, don't – nobody's job is ever safe. Um, <laughs> if, the foot, if the head football coach goes – because, like, if most of y'all know my story, I started coaching on the field with – my football staff at that time with coach Bennett and that staff, they were let go. And then, you know, that's where I was going to do like my internship with. Um, so I was like, all right, I'll go with Gabe. Gabe does his thing. He leaves, he goes to Miami. Fine. Coach Stoner comes in and, and I'm like, all right, I have to learn this whole new lifestyle of strength conditioning. I knew how Gabe did it because Gabe was our strength coach. But then when Stoner came in there and he brought in Bryce and, uh, Taylor and uh, well, Coach Wood. You know they they formed that staff together, and I was like, man, this may be the best strength and conditioning staff that we've ever had at Coastal. I mean, there's not that many staffs that's been at Coastal, but like that was like I actually learned something from them. Yeah. Like it was everything about what we did, how we think, how we set up things, how we were, how we were coached to coach. Like that was like the best internship. And I try to overlay that with my interns now, but you know, some interns are just there just to be there. <laughs> and that's like any staff. <laughs> that's just like any staff, oh. but man, um, that that's crazy. But like in, he like, look at Bryce. I mean, like Bryce, you know, like he said, he got let go and then he kept moving. Now he's at Kent state. I remember when you said that you got the job, I hit you up. I was like, dude, you left already. He was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking he just bounced to another job. I didn't realize what had happened, but yeah, no, it was just, it was unfortunate, man, you know, but it, it was a great experience. You, you'll, there, there's a reason why they're just saying in this business, you don't, you haven't made it until you get fired. Yeah. Uh, that is you true. Know, it, it just, it's the nature of the beast. There's no ill will towards anybody. It just, it happens, man. It just happens. So, you know, but in my two years there, we, I had some great athletes. I got a young, I got an athlete that plays in the NBA right now. Um, so, I get to brag about that, you know, and, and stuff it's like always that. Always the best. So, I coach somebody pro. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. I coach somebody pro. I love <laughs> yeah. that line. I, I love doing that line. <laughs> you, well, you got to have so much clout. Like, you know, if you, you – you can't just be like, yeah, I did this, I did this. I'd be like – I could walk in with all my rings and all that stuff, and they'd be like, so what? And I'd be like, okay, fine. Turn this game on. He's I coached him. Yeah, because that's the crazy thing, because a lot of people don't realize, like, um, like at certain levels, okay, obviously, pro levels, only certain teams will get a ring. But, mm-hmm. like, even sometimes that it's even watered down a little bit in NCAA. You got people getting rings for all types of stuff. So, people are like, oh, a ring? Cool. It tarnishes. Yeah. yeah. I don't well, even know where my – well, no, I do know where my rings are. But they're, like, put away. Like, I don't even show people <laughs> my rings anymore. 
like I used to be like, hey, you see this ring? Like I was a great coach. And they were like, mm-hmm. like you said, so yeah, you're right. I'm gonna put this away. Nobody cares. <laughs> There's people that look at it and go, wait, what is that? What's that yeah. for? It, and it's like, a conversation starter for sure. Yeah. Somebody told me they could yeah. they was like, you could sell that at a pawn shop, you know. I'm like, dang, man. <laughs> no, they're nice. They're nice to have. It, it's a lot of you know, winning's hard. So they're it's a great to have that kind of that little reward there to show, you know, so they'll be with me forever. I think that's the, like the one thing, just speaking to that process, man, you, 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 you get to the point where you want something so bad that you just find a way to do it. I mean, you, you, you're at the point and I heard someone talking about this the other day. Um, It's not that you know how it's going to happen, but it's the fact that you believe it's going to happen and that, you see a lot of guys that'll just say, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to make it work. Yeah. And for some reason, do you just bang your head against the wall enough or you try and smash that wall enough and it happens. And you Sometimes you don't know how it happens, but you start figuring out little things that you don't realize that you know. Yeah. Uh, I think that's probably... Like, that's what I did. Let's take this quarantine, for instance. Like, I've just been – first of all, when I got to Coastal, like, I I knew really – all I knew was, first of all, I had a great mentor. And so, like, I knew, like, what he knew, um, how to manage, how to run a weight room, how to coach athletes, like, what, what to focus on, how to build, like, all that stuff. But, like, as far as, like, the true, like, exercise science, um, conjugate, undulate, triphasic, all those things, like – one, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't know any of those things. Like real, honestly, I didn't know much. And so, um, when I got to coastal, like, that's how I learned. I learned, Hey, read this, read that, uh, understand what the origin of this, understand where this came from, understand wh- why we do this, uh, tier system, all that stuff, like the why behind it. And so like you, like you said, what, what'd you say again, uh, before that, like just the unknown or something oh, like that? Yeah, Like you don't know how it's going to happen. You just know you're going to make it happen. Yeah. And so like that through understanding, like reading and all this stuff. And now all of a sudden the, the, the stars align, you're just like, wow, crazy. And fast forward to this year, like when we're, we're shut down from March until I didn't get to go back in the office until August. So it was just, it was read, read, read mountain bike, mountain bike and go hike. Like that's all I did. So, um, you know, I bet I probably read, which is a lot for me. I probably read 15 books in this in the quarantine time and and i got two going right now so um it's just like you said the the unknown just leads to stuff as long as you take advantage of it yeah and i know what's up what's up i guess i get get a little talk me Um, (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure anybody this um not necessarily watching but listening is surprised to hear me come in so late um but i got a question Uh, so being a college the thing that athletes coming in need to work on the most before they get to college. The thing that athletes, need to, I, I would say that they need to work on the most is, is honestly letting your guard down, like be open to that. Your habits are going to change. Like that's, that's the hardest thing for any, any incoming athlete to understand is yes, you're going to have to go to sleep at night. <laughs> yes. You're going to have to eat a damn vegetable. <laughs> Yes, you're going to need to drink some water. It, it, those, all three of those things is what you control. I control what you do in the weight room. I control the environment where I take you to do some sort of conditioning in. I don't tuck you in at night. I, I don't wake you up in the morning. I don't cook you breakfast. And I don't hold your hand and make you drink a bottle of water. So if you can eat a vegetable, eat breakfast, and drink water, go to sleep, you're going to be ahead of the curve. Those are cheat codes, by the way. You're, it's it's so simple. It may not be easy because it's life. Life's simple. It's just not easy. But I would say those are the main thing. Just have good habits. And like I tell my athletes all the time, you know, they see green beans or something, they're going to be, ooh, because it's not from a drive-thru. It doesn't have a logo on it. Um but just like you got to work on anything else, you you work on your taste buds. If you are constantly putting junk in your body, you're going to be addicted to junk. You're going to be addicted to sugars. You're going to be addicted 
to the to the um to the fast foods you're gonna be addicted to all those things the high processed food but if you train your body to crave vegetables fresh food fresh meat baked etc cetera, etc cetera, that's what happens if you got a weak left hand you go and you work on your left hand you got weak taste buds you go and you still continue to work on those things so overall work on good habits work on sleep Work on listening. Listening is a major problem. Be able to listen. Um, you you don't you guys don't realize how many times I tell an athlete something, and then on like the hundredth day they're like, well, "Why have you, Why have you been telling us this?" <laughs> so, um, no. Eat well. You don't have to eat super clean, but eat well, balanced, colorful. Go to sleep. Eat breakfast. Get in the habit of eating breakfast every day and drink water. It's it's simple. So those things would be would be the best thing. I don't need you to come in ready to squat five hundred pounds. I don't need you to come in ready to bench press two fifty. I don't need you to come in running a four six forty, like or a thirty one inch vertical. I need you to have those habits in check, so I can get you to the five hundred pounds. So I can get you to the thirty five inch vertical, whatever it may be. But it, without those things, we'll never get there. Or you'll you'll break. Your it's body will so break. undervalued. Uh, there's so many yeah. things outside of the weight room that are undervalued and so many things yeah. inside the weight room that are undervalued. Everyone looks at those big three lifts or a, a really good power clean or really good snatch or something really good deadlift. And you kind of go, man, this isn't about views. This isn't about trying to look good. This is, you know, how are you moving? How are you living? Yeah. Well, those things, well, number one in college, it's all about your performance and how you play. What we do in the weight weight room is to is to build resiliency and get you ready for there. But those numbers that you're chasing, those are just report cards. Like that's all that is. Like if you if you if you have a great combine day or whatever, that's just a report card. That doesn't you still don't you still gotta be able to play the game. You still gotta get up and play two to three times a week. Or if you're a softball or baseball player, you gotta be able to already play a three game series every weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, you're if you're a soccer athlete, you still gotta be able to cover five, six miles a game and ask for more the next day. Like, yeah, great, cool. You can you can get a max touch of 46 inches and touch 10 foot six at six foot height. Cool. That's just a report card. Can you go out there and play over and over again? And that's when it relies on your habits, your nutrition, uh, and all that good stuff. I feel like you see a lot more of the resiliency at the lower levels just because of the they're, – they're, they're there not for the notoriety anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not going to say all of them, but like some of them, the majority of them, they're not there to get – you know have their education paid for. They, they're, they're there because they love their sport. So they want to try harder. That obviously doesn't go with all of them, but I think you see a lot more dedication on the D three level, especially with, you know, some smaller schools. Yeah. Well, it just, it just, it all goes to your culture. Honestly. I mean, you could, you could, you, it doesn't matter what level it is. If if you're trying to, if if you're in our world and you're trying to coach and you can't, and you can't communicate to these athletes, whether male, female, inner city, country, bumpkin, whatever it may be, if you can't communicate with your athletes, then your, your culture is going to be bad. And you might have some, you might have some athletes that are on the stubborn side or, or on the wild side or, or the flip side of the coin, the athletes that will do everything you tell them and take it literally everything they tell you to do you just got to be able to communicate and once you can communicate the why and how and how this will help if they buy into that that develops trust and so um so to go with what you're saying it just it all really just depends honestly um and it's hard it's and you got to put yourself in their shoes it's hard hard for an athlete to be able to balance everything they they never turn anything off like it's it's constantly being on so um you know, I was talking to Antoine Floyd the other day, and he, he said, what was it? Uh, it's one in 10 suicide rate right now uh, for these young athletes. And so yeah, um, you got to take into consideration. Yeah, you might be mad because they're not able to perform at a certain level, but, well, why aren't they able to perform at a certain level? Like, are you talking to them? Are you understanding them? Do you have that communication? Do you have that trust? I mean, I and had so, an athlete what the Saturday came in for uh, footwork and agility and just wasn't – was it moving right? You know what I mean? This wasn't, you, you just didn't see the effort level. And I was just asking like, like, what's going on? And I kept, I kept getting, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm like, eh, that's not you. Like what, what what's going on? And then it yeah. starts to get emotional and you're like, okay, well, what's happening? 
Yep. And that's where that's where there's so much more. I think that's where a lot of the coaching grit comes down to is what makes you a really good coach. Can you can you relate? Can you talk to them? And then yep. you go off of that because I think all of us can learn different training systems. All of yeah. us can can learn different terms, but if you can't talk to people, if you can't figure out and do your research outside of your spectrum, then I think you're going to lose a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, that's why, Hey, how's it going? Is the first thing I say to everyone when they come in the room, you know, Hey, how are you doing? How's your mom doing? How's your dad doing? How's your brothers? You know, we have those conversations and you know, you can, you can tell, you can tell when an athlete's having, there's been several, several times where I've had teams come in the weight room and it's just like, okay, today's not the day. Everybody grab a mat. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to do some sort of Ramwad yoga version today because today's just not the day. Um, well, I was reading a study the other day and I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was out of Mizzou with, uh, uh, Brian Mann and those guys. Um, you're more likely your stress level is higher during finals week than it is during, uh, training camp. So to push the envelope during finals week, first of all, now the NCAA, I don't know how many years it goes back to, but said, eh, no, no workouts during finals, but knowing that. If you're trying to push an envelope while an athlete is in finals, their stress system's high, central nervous system's getting put in check, boom, injury. So, um, so yeah, so those things are some, those are things that you got to look out for on a regular basis. Not to t- not to mention what they're getting advice from at home, what advice they're getting from the internet, what the advice they're getting from some sports coach who talked to their buddy at their school. They do it like this, so you should be doing it like this. Or hey, my my my, my high school teammate plays at Texas tech and they do this. So I'm going to do this. Like, you know, you just, you got all these different outside influences. Again, that's why it comes down to one thing, just being able to communicate and, and know what's going on. Do you have like a, um, almost like a clinic with them talking to them about how to handle these things? Do you guys have like a we, we do. psychologist? Yeah, we do. We here at Kent state, what we do is we like, it's kind of like a, a initiation type thing, like a, a welcome back type deal where uh, uh, at the beginning of the year, they, they all have to sit down and they all, we have, a, we have a sports psychologist and it's just an informal thing. Like, hi, I'm such and such. I'm here for this. I'm here for this. And then we also do like a quick, none of the coaches are in the room. When the, that's what's beautiful about it. It's just the athletes, excuse me, and our sports psychologist. And it's like, hey, we're going to teach you guys how to, for one hour or 30 minutes, one hour, how, we're going to teach you guys how to handle stress. And then by doing that, we just kind of talk some things out. That opens the door for an athlete to say, you know what, I need to talk to this person more. And so they're allowed to come in and, and, and talk and, and get all that stuff taken care of as they need it. But, yeah, we, we do do that. We take care of that. So the other thing, I, I'm lucky I have Tindo units. So I know that if an athlete's moving away too slow or whatnot, I know that something's up. So I can I keep track of all of that. Same so time, you, you got to invest. <laughs> yeah <do that. laughs> so so yeah so it's beautiful hey you're not i actually had that incident this year our starting point guard um we were it was a dynamic day and i mean the weight should have been flying off the ground wasn't going anywhere so immediately said hold on sit here went upstairs said hey such and such i'd i'd, I'd hold them back a little bit today they're they're fried like they're not it's not an effort thing it's just exhaustion is pretty high so all right so let's um let's try to change gears just a little bit um what do you what would you say like the what what sets you apart when it comes to being a basketball strength conditioning coach like what do you do anything different do you see things that you used to do that you change now what i mean obviously we already did the aspect of you know the whole uh like love on your kids aspect learning uh, the sports psych side but what else do you do what is different about being a basketball strength condition coach well are you talking about like how am i different now or how would you yeah, yeah. if yeah, i want- let's go with yeah let's go with how you're different now compared to what, when you started like when you started you said you when you was um you're doing little things and then you started with volleyball and then women's basketball and then yeah how um, you know, I was always just a big, like, a, a linear guy, like a linear progression guy. And it worked. We had success with it. Don't get me wrong. It was great. 
but uh, we just started to plateau with it. And so, and then I really got into, um, and I always mixed in with like French contrast and all that stuff into it. And like I said, had success with it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I'm not knocking it. I'm not downplaying it. I've just kind of tweaked it a little bit. Um, got involved with the tier system a little bit too as well. Um, but I would say the biggest transition has been uh, going to a triphasic training system in the off season. I'll give you this example right now. Uh, like I said, I got my team in September. So we went five months without seeing each other. So August 31st was our first day. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, we're going to start hopefully practice by November, maybe late October, November. What is one thing that we absolutely need to do? And I'm back in my mind, I'm like, okay, we got to build resiliency. We got to be able to have enough carryover to get us through the season, keep us on the court, keep us healthy. At the same time, introduce some people to the weight room for the first time because it's they've never been. So, uh, wow, Syracuse beat West Virginia. Anyway. I was waiting uh, to um, say that. <laughs> uh, anyway, back to – Nobody's bracket is good right now. Yeah. And so, I did call that, though. <laughs> and so – and, and I'll probably – that one. And so I'll probably get some some disagreements here, but, like, you know how you know how it is. Like, when you guys – Okay, what do we got to do with first day in the weight room? GPP, volume, right? Let's get that base. Let's, let's do that. Right? <laughs> Blow right? them up. Let's see what they can handle. Yeah. Right? Like, that's typical, right? Right. But but what I've, what I've been reading, what I've been understanding is, is, okay, what sticks with you longer? Hypertrophy training or strength training? Okay. So, by meaning with that, when we get to – January, February, and we've kind of backed off a little bit and because the season keep, volume keeps adding up, what is going to stick with us longer? So I completely scrapped hypertrophy, skipped it, went right into triphasic training, did eccentric for two weeks, ISO for two weeks, and concentric for two weeks, along with contrast training. So we had our jumps, we had our you know lateral movements, we had our upper body plyometrics. I threw all that in there together on a four-day split. And then once we got through with that, dove into a hard, hard speed phase. And then it gave me a little bit of more time uh, to circle back around and got into another like quick little strength phase. And and this entire season, we we only had one injury. So, and that's on two sports. Um, Congrats. So, yeah, I don't know if I'll ever be able to do that again, but that was the goal. Uh, we, on January 3rd, I had athletes PR in the middle of a season. So... Um, you know, so that was, that was good. That was nice to see. Um, so, and then what I did with that, I rolled into my season. I, I undulated, we went, we went undulate because of the way the season works. So let's, let's take my guys team, for instance, their schedule is Saturday. They play, uh, Tuesday and Saturday, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tuesday, Saturday, occasional Friday game depends on the TV picks us up or not. So we would play Saturday practice Sunday and Sunday was our lift day. That was our power day or excuse me. That was our strength day. That was our heavy day. And then our off day would be Wednesday. We practiced Thursday and lift on Thursday. That was our dynamic day. And then I had, the, I never really touched the third volume day unless I needed to, or for like red shirt guys or low minute guys, but it just gave me a good split between, okay, we just played yesterday. We're going to keep the, the, the reps low um the volume low but yet we still need to move some weight and so that's why i made sunday our our uh, strength day and then we had a day off wednesday so i knew we were going into thursday as fresh as we the season would allow us let's see how fast we can fire on that day and then it has also gave us two days out from our next game so that those were things i did completely different i've had like i said i've kept guys on the court so we're going to keep doing it and then uh so, yeah. They've seen the same kind of success. I think we talked about it um, on a couple other episodes. They did, they've been doing the same kind of thing in the NFL where they'll, they'll hit it real heavy Sunday, Monday, and then yeah. um, kind of not deload, but same kind of thing. Like take, just take different, you know, actions throughout the week mm -hmm. yeah. and then just it, keep them fresh for Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just, it just made sense to me. It just made sense that, Okay, when when what's our intent and why and and how would it work? And um, 
because you know like i said there there's a, you you can never be too strong problem is you can be only strong and so yeah. um you know and if if we had a game get moved to friday i know that i could take my high minute guys and adjust where i want what i want them to touch and and how much i want them to touch on wednesday and it's still not going to screw them up for the carryover they'll be able to i'll be able to take them down in the hole and they'll be able to get out just fine for a friday game so it just it just made a lot of sense and if we had if covid canceled a game and we need a third day lift well guess what we got a volume day it's how how um like how intermixed are you with their practices like with how many touches they get how much running how much jumping when it comes to your programming um I have a, I've been, it's my third year, so I have a pretty good sense of it. Okay. Um, do I have data on it? No, we used to have heart rate monitors my first year here. Uh, but the, the technology grew old and we just never really replaced it. And so we kind of just scratched them. Okay. Um, would I want to get them back? Yeah, absolutely. They just need to be upgraded. You yeah. know, now, you know, how old technology gets. Yeah. Um, would y'all go to catapult or would you just want to do something else? I would, I would, I would love to have catapult. Uh, we've been, I've been actually working with catapult a little bit. They, they, there's a few schools in our, in the Mac, in our, in our league that use them. Um, so they've been, they've been pretty genuine, uh, generous, I guess you would say like, and they, they want to work with us as well. So, but yeah, catapult would be the move, uh, catapult force plates. Those, those would be, those would be the next move. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, that's that's funny that you said about the hypertrophy thing because even i mean obviously i don't i train some athletes here and there um and then obviously the you know the biggest uh groups that i have right now are my human performance groups and it's just like like we're we went their last cycle that we did in the winter we did uh you know a little bit of triphysic training because i fit, i realized you know how much can you break somebody down especially when you're trying to do a longevity type training. I love hypertrophy. I've always been, you know, good on right. the whole four by 10, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it has, its, it has its time. It, has it, its it does. No and it's just like, if you're going to do it, do it once out of the whole year. Yeah. Because I've been a part of times where we've, we've done it right. As soon as just talking about a football, say just take NCAA football, for example, you got uh, your high volume starts at the beginning of summer. And then you kind of phase out until you get to camp. And then as soon as the season's over with, you have a month, a couple of weeks of a lower body, not lower body, but lower weight, lower mm-hmm. reps. And then you go right back into it right before they get into mat drills. And it's kind of like, all right, we're building size. Yes. But can we not do it? Can we do it a different way? We, when I learned this stuff from Cal Dietz with Triphysic Training, I'm like, literally, you are doing almost the exact same thing, but with with less effort if you yeah. want to say, because you're doing time on attention rather than just doing so much volume. Yeah. And at time, well, on, you, and also, that, you also got to think like, like if they're, if you're giving them volume and then they're going to mat drills, like that, that's, that's a ton of volume. Yeah. A ton of volume. And, and see, y'all, and y'all where... taught me that. I saw, I saw that with y'all, um, like what Ant asked, you know, uh, the yardage, how much yardage are we going to do for sprints for the football team? How much are we going to do in the weight room with, you know, little, little simple things, jumps and stuff like that. And then going into the workout, like all that stuff adds up on the body. Yeah. And, and especially you're talking about college kids. Are they eating? You And just like you said, you can't control that part. They can go to the cafeteria, but that doesn't mean that that's what they're going to eat. Yep. You got to understand. And I tell my athletes this all the time. I said, if we brought, if we put all of you guys in every single athlete at this university, let's say in the arena, and we brought in somebody that talked about caloric needs and caloric deficits, 95% of this room would be at a, a caloric de, uh, deficiency. Like they would just be, they'd be under, you know, underfed basically. So, yeah. And that's yeah. where like with, with the whole idea of, you know, having the stats behind it, that's why I worry about, um, I mean, that's why me and Sanchez want to talk all the time when I'm writing out my um, plyometrics for mm-hmm. volleyball athletes is like, you know, how much are they doing in the week anyway? Yep. And it's more about, all right, I just want to get your technique down and yep. then ingrain the technique. Yep. I'm not worried about you jumping, you know, 30 times or getting 40 touches in a drill, you know, jumping 120 times total. I yeah. just want well, to see how you're, how you're moving. Yeah. And so, well, that's the other, like motor control. Like, all right, you have to teach motor control because and this is where I get an argument with my, my basketball coach. First of all, I'm a basketball guy. Like, 
when I when I'm done with this strength conditioning world, I most likely will probably go coach high school basketball. That's probably that's always been kind of on the on the plan of things. But one of the most overrated things, and I'll have every single coach fight me in the country for this. I don't care. Shooting free throws while you're tired, overrated, completely overrated. Do you need to know what it feels like to shoot free throws when you're tired? Yes, but do you need to practice it? No. Here's why. It all goes back to motor control. If I'm tired and fatigued, what am I training? Poor motor control. Bad habits are going to take over. If I train and shoot free throws when I'm fresh, I'm reinforcing proper motor control. And when you're tired, what are you going to revert back to? Your training. So that's why I tell them shooting free throws when you're tired, overrated. Wow. Understanding how to shoot free throws when you're tired is not overrated. That's my, you guys get what I'm saying there? I mean, that makes Bro, that's, a, that's a mic especially, drop. Especially with volleyball. <laughs> I mean, especially with volleyball, whenever, whenever we get to the point with certain drills, man, you're like at the end of practice or something, we're doing serving. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. the same idea. It's the same yeah. exact idea. Your free throws are serve. So if we can't, yeah. if we can't manage that when we're, when we're a hundred percent, when we walk in, then what's the point? Yeah. I mean, that's, it's just, I'm, am I saying, oh, if you're tired, don't ever shoot a free throw? I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying don't use that as your training basis. Mm-hmm. Know what it feels like to shoot free throws tired. Know what it ser- feels like to serve when you're tired. Mm-hmm. Understand that. Yeah. But don't use that as your training apparatus. Like, Because all you're doing is teaching bad motor control. It's the same reason why we don't do agility training after a three-hour-long practice. doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I, I was talking to somebody that was like, oh, yeah, we do – um, speed and agility after practice, or we do it after weights. I'm like, why? Yeah. There's no, there's absolutely no need. I want your, your most 100%, 120, whatever you want to say, bout in yeah. the speed. So I need that to be happy first. I need it when you're fresh, you know. Yeah. And I, and I used to not be a fan of like these early morning workouts, but when I went to Georgia Southern, that's football was like, first group was like 5 15 in the morning. Yeah. And, you know, just trying to get the guys up, get them rolling, get, you know, they get their speed and they get their speed done, their um, the weights done. And then they got the whole day to themselves unless they had like seven on seven or something like yeah. that. Sometimes it's yeah. drills in the afternoon, but like you get everything done and your body's just like, it recovers. It's got a whole 24 hours to recover. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. You're right. And you, and you hope they use it wisely. You hope they're going to bed. You know, you just step on them. They, they know what, they know what's at stake. They, they like they know it so yeah you always I mean, know the good ones the, the good ones always know like right before they're about to start like hey coach I, you know i bought my water and you know i got my food you know i'm ready to throw up i'm like whoa man don't worry <laughs> like we're not doing this so you can throw up like right. if you're throwing up that's because of stuff you did before we started training <laughs> yeah, absolutely absolutely what else we got what you mean you're supposed to be talking all right. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, all right. So we talked about that. All right. So what? Okay. You already talked about basketball training. Uh, coach of basketball in high school is going to be your next step. But what is your next step? What do you want to be with collegiate basketball, though? What is your next step? You know, I I don't I don't quite uh, sit here and think about like where am I going to go next or what am I do next. I mean, yeah. Obviously, we all want to be at a high level. We want to be where we have great facilities where we make a a decent living and we have great athletes and all that stuff. Um, you know, I just, that that's right now. It's just, to, it's be where your feet are, you know, yeah. you have a service to your athletes. You have a service to your program. Do you uh, see yourself becoming a master strength coach? Like, is that a step? In oh, your... for sure. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, and like I said, I, I have, you know, I have aspirations of, of building, you know, a great program and facility where, you know, I have, all those things covered, like you, what, what's, whatever you, let's just use Kent state, you know, where we have high level nutrition, we have high level recovery, um, specialist in psychology, specialist in, uh, recovery, uh, sports science, all that stuff. Like that, that, that is my dream, you know, you know, to have nap pods and all that, like, basically you look at like the Texas university model and like how they have everything down there, you know, that, that, that kind of thing like that, that would be, be great and to have people who are definitely way smarter than me to help put together a great program and and continue to grow um but as far as where do i see myself that's the goal you know Mm -hmm. and where that's at i don't know it's just as long as i can find happiness find the resources 
and I hate to say it, but I do got to make a living at the same time as well. So yes, um, no, uh, no, no, I mean, like, but I mean, where do you, uh, I mean, to add on to it, where do you see collegiate basketball going to in the future? I mean, mine is, don't, I mean, not even talking about what's going on right now with NCAA and they're catching fire, but I mean, just in general, where do you see? Um, I think you're going to see some things kind of revert back a little bit, to be honest with you, because um, with the, with, uh, with, you know, the emphasis of, you know, how long Tom Brady's playing, what we all know, Tom Brady, LeBron James, Russell, we all know these guys put millions of dollars into their body and all that stuff. And so, um, I think eventually that will catch on. I think we're at a very rough patch where we're getting through like the, the thick of things that are what's negative sleep, all that stuff. Um, but I, I think you'll eventually see it kind of, I guess, use the old force velocity curve. I think it'll come back down a little bit. And yeah. so, and that's um, just like you were saying, like with the therapy side of things, like I know, and we all know it, you know, the smaller schools don't have the money for these type of things, but you also see, I mean, we've seen it the first week in this, uh, in these tournaments, these smaller schools are hungry and they deserve yeah. to have the same style of, or not necessarily the same style, but like they deserve to have the same opportunities as these bigger schools. You know, they need to have the the registered dietitian. They need to have the nutritionist on staff. They need to have, so you know, it's whoever like developing else. an outreach program in a way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just how to do it. Cost well, you, that's the that's that's the and that's again we could talk about issues all day long and we could turn that into a whole another segment but like from from our profession standpoint how many of us in here are registered dietitians none of us none of us but how many people come to us and ask us about nutrition enough it's way more than we can handle and um i'm not smart enough to figure it all out like the the, the chemicals the calories per gram calories per fat like uh, what your testosterone level is, like all your blood work, like that's way over my head. <laughs> eat something baked, eat something green, drink water, do it on a regular basis. Keep you it know? simple. I mean, we yeah, can laugh, like, but it, it is, man. It's but that, so that's simple. what I'm saying. And then you got your, and then you got your coaches saying, "Yo, what what's with this diet?" Blah 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 blah. That's not. I have an idea of what nutrition is, and I have a good go do this, but I, 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 I wouldn't go and ask a dietitian to write me a workout plan for six months. Why would I, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just doesn't work that way. And so that's one thing that I think that needs to get addressed is understanding that, Hey, we are strength conditioning sports performance. Yes, there is some, yes, I can hand you a protein shake and say, drink it. Cause we know it's going to help you recover. We know it's going to help, help your muscles get to the next thing we know it's going to put calories back in your body you know we know that but that doesn't make us diet experts you know right so i i, I guess what i i would i would like to see that for sure get changed um or i gotta go get my rd or something i don't know <laughs> so but yeah so yeah and it, it is um something that we've all i mean we always get asked all the time and people always we have a nutritionist on our staff and, and they'll still, add, I'm like, uh, uh, talk to Matt. I don't know nothing. Mm-mm. Yeah. I don't know nothing. <laughs> like, I mean, it's like, I'm trying to get my nutrition, right. You think I got, I talk to somebody for nutrition. Like you think I know the answers. I can yeah. tell you kind of what I do Yeah, and you can make it smaller or bigger, whatever, but like that. Mm, and it could person. be completely freaking wrong too. That's the thing. Like you could be, you could be freaking just beating your head against the wall, but Hey, you're getting there but you're moving this fast getting there. If you did flipped it upside down to something there, you would already be there. And then some, I guess just the thing, that's the crazy thing is, is I think that's, I think that's what kills a lot of things or hurts a lot of the bit of our profession is we're perceived to be experts on literally everything. And then, and then that's not how it is. It's not how it goes. It's just, you don't, there's a reason why the kids don't come to me and ask me to take their ankles. Like I, I don't do that either. So you know, I can give you guidance, those, man. You I, know how to do everything. <laughs> I, I can give you guidance. I can tell you to drink water, eat whatever, 24 hours, 48 hours. I can hand you energy shoes at halftime, but, but I tell you what, a, customize a diet. I read a book that tells me when, when you're supposed to eat. 
but that's about it. So, you know, bless the, bless the strength coaches out there that are at those, those smaller schools that do have those roles. They're, you know, they're the, a position coach. They're the strength coach. <laughs> you raise your hand. They are the, you know, the nutritionist. They are the, the athletic trainer. Like, it's just, you have mm-hmm. so many hats, but you only get paid for one job. So, you oh, know, we should all have a minor in psychology at this point. Mm-hmm. I, I talk about it all the time. And that's why I can't wait to, um, when we have coach Floyd, I know we were supposed to have him last week and schedule got messed up, but when coach Floyd gets on here, I want to pick his brand about sports psychology. And then maybe hopefully we could get uh, Dr. Pat Ivy on here as well too, because that I don't, obviously I don't really need another degree because I'm a private facility. What's the point? But sports psychology is like my, my one degree that I want to get, you know, and I also want people to call me coach doctor for, you know, just for coach doctor giggles. Yeah. <laughs> just for giggles. <laughs> um, you want a, You want a great book on psychology? is uh and it's not even on psychology but it helps crucial conversations crucial conversations it's an easy read but i'm telling you it helps you understand because again communication right is mm-hmm. it's a forefront in everything we do you understand a lot of things when after you read that book like you even call your own self out on it so um you'll be like man i do this shit and i do dumb things so hey we're on facebook live not hbo <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get blocked, man. Nah, but we good. Um, I don't want do Facebook we have any, jail. Do we have any questions out there, Ant? Uh, Bryce? Not that I've seen. Travis commented some time ago, but it wasn't a question. He said, not even for extra. I'm not really sure what it was. I called it late. So uh, It was something we was talking about. <laughs> at, the, at the point. Sorry, Travis. Mm-hmm. I'll get to it next time, brother. But, yeah, man. Uh Thanks. I've I've heard a lot about you, Bryce. So I've been I've been waiting for this one. San Juan doesn't shut up. Hopefully, good things. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah, is. all good things, all good things. Um, I, I guess if you want to talk a little bit about like, uh, you know, yeah, I used to be like a big corrective guy. You always want to make sure the body functions correctly. But the way I look at it with those things, how can you teach form if the body's not moving right? Um, so um that's kind of why i've always been big on those things and then you got to be careful to where you're not doing only those things so um you know we want to make sure that when we're moving heavy external loads you know we want to make sure all the joints and muscles are doing their part you know because you do you do you do have those things where you know it band syndrome kicks in and all that stuff and then all of a sudden you got knee pain or you know your hip flexor is not working at all and your hamstring's killing you um your big toe is not working and you, you have no arch in your foot because you can't get your big toe to work, you know? So, um, you know, I had a few of those this year. I had a, I had a young lady who, uh, who was dealing with some foot pain and I was like, okay, this is going to look, this is going to sound really weird, but I want you to take your shoes off. And I'm going to video you walking barefoot. <laughs> yeah. What a time to li- we live in. Right. Um, but <laughs> she, <laughs> she, she had, she was just her, she could not, uh, supinating her foot at all. Her big toe was was not coming back up to push the arch back up, and it was just throwing everything out of whack. And so we spent a lot of time on fixing that, and it made everything else stronger. And and luckily we caught it in time, and we didn't develop any other injuries from it. So okay, curious, how do you fix something like that? Just by watching. I another book I read called What the Foot. It's a pretty expensive book, but it's a great book. Um. You know, uh, we just we just got to teach it how to work. So what we did was we we did a lot of stretching movement. We did a lot of, uh, you know, say this is the big toe. We put like a, a tennis ball underneath there. All right, I want you to grip it, pull it back up, grip it, um, walk on our toes. Whenever you go to walk, push down your big toe. You know, you know, how you say walk on your tippy toes or like a heel toe yeah. walk. I took it a step further. Okay, when you do that, I want you to push your big toe in the ground. Okay, so now you're on your tippy toes. Okay, now push your big toe down um just we stretched those things out a, a, a quite a bit you know um you know people that walk with their feet out like this yeah me. A, lot, a lot of times it's most of the time it's because their big toes aren't working so if that big toe is not working if the big toe doesn't work like this it's going to shut down your glutes so we move our feet out to try and get our glutes to work more because then now we're stuck like this when we walk okay so i like oh i got flat feet i don't have any arches well yeah you don't have any arches because your glutes are saying i want to work but yet something in down here is not working 
So you, if that's why people compensate, they stick their feet out here and they walk like this. So if you teach that big toe to walk to do more and because uh, your foot's going to flat, it's going to flatten out. It's going to do that. But when you propel forward, it needs to come back up. Just like when you squat, mm. when you go to squat, your feet are going to do this. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to. Can you bring it back up? That's why, you know, again, you look at people who squat, they point their feet out, right? Right. Right. It, it allows them to squat deeper. Well, they can actually get out of their squat too, like this. They're here. It's going to collapse. Your knees are going to go in. We don't want them to go all the way in, but they're going to move in. Boom. Can you get back out of it on your drive? That's what you're trying to get. And if you're not getting this, you're not getting any glute activation. Wow. Okay, then. I'm going to have to go look at this book because, <laughs> Dang, like, I, I already wrote a book. That's down, making me so. think about, like, yeah, that's making me think, like, certain things that I'm, I'm going right to evaluate probably... my squat process different. It's, I used it's, to be like, it, it, like, like I said, you got you got to check yourself. Like, yo, I'm just looking at your feet. Like, oh, I mean, I mean, it meant for science. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can't say that because that even sounds like that. Coaches, be like, yeah. I'm looking at your feet. Why? It's for science. <laughs> yeah. um, the other thing I've been working on, and you guys, I would, I would recommend it, especially if you guys got uh, aerobic athletes. Basketball is a combination of both aerobic and anaerobic. Is uh, um, uh, mass training, MAS, max acceleration speed. Okay. And then with that, I dove and under that umbrella, I dove into Eurofit. Some pretty cool stuff. So, um, is that so like a Terry Crews stuff? Dang it. I was yeah. going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was trying to be professional. Yeah. So basically, if you, uh, let's say Santuan has to run the mile, he has to recover 1600 meters. Let's say he has to run the mile in seven minutes or less. That's his test time, right? Or if you have a soccer player that plays defense, and let's say she covers, I don't know, she has to be able to cover half the field, right? In so many seconds. Like that's, that's the goal. So you can you can train that by how fast you you want their aerobic speed to do MAS mass aerobic speed, and so you can break that down into training. You need to move so many meters per second. So if Santuan has to cover sixteen hundred meters in seven minutes, okay. So how many seconds is that? What six? What's sixty times seven? Whatever. Four hundred sixty. So you divide that by six sixteen hundred. That's how many meters per second you need to cover, right? So you can train that. And what Eurofit does is it tells you to train from like 110% to 130% over. So if I'm at 110%, there's a formula that you plug in. It tells you, so let's say I'm going to put three minutes on the clock and you got to cover, let's say it's just where we're going at 110%, you got to cover 68 meters in 15 seconds. So we put three minutes on the clock. I got my stopwatch. Go. You run to that cone. There's no cutting, okay? Because if you do, if you do change the direction, you subtract a second, and you cut it in half. Is there's a whole other formula for it. You got to run to that cone in 15 seconds. As soon as you hit that cone in 15 seconds, I give you. It's a one to one work to rest ratio. Boom. Start seconds. Then you got to run back. Boom. You just keep continuously going and going and going. And what it does is it trains your body to run at a certain speed to cover those meters per second. So if you put it exactly a hundred meters per second, or excuse me, at a hundred percent, you need to that if you if you train yourself to run that fast the whole time, Santuan will make his minutes. So it's pretty interesting stuff. So we're gonna that's what I'm gonna be diving into a little bit in our off season. Yeah, I know it's aerobic, I get it, but no, it's it's funny applied, you say though. that because yeah, because a lot of people are doing a lot of things like that now. Um like I was showing, and I think I might have showed less than one time, but like a lot of these schools now have the incline treadmills, you know, they have um, other speed stuff that they're doing is, you know, people are using the, the, the assault bikes and rowers and all types of stuff because people are learning. All right. Especially if you can't always run outside because of weather yeah. conditions, whatever you train small segments of something yeah. that you're trying to get to. And eventually you're like, boom. Yeah. Like I don't have that much space in the gym. So a lot of times when I'm training football players for the 40, I'm only working with the first 10 yards because what's what's the most crucial of a 40? Yeah. The first 10 yards. That's yeah. what will make or break your 40. Yeah. Well, you go back to you go back to what I was. So if if we so if Santuan, if I was training you at so we, we oh excuse me, let me go back to that. 
you can go for like three minutes long. You can do as many rounds as you want. You can go all the way up to eight minutes long and do as many rounds as you want. You know what I'm saying? Like we can do one round of 18 minutes, but it's 15 seconds on 15 seconds off. Like you're going to be cooked. If we trained you at 130% and then you go and run your mile, if you run your mile at 130% of what that formula says, you'll cover like 25 miles in seven minutes, which we all know impossible to do, but that's how intense it gets. If, if you were physically able to do so it's it's pretty neat stuff uh, mas mass aerobic max aerobic speed and then underneath that there's a bunch of umbrellas i'm going with Eurofit because it allows me to train my we do do a mile test it's been a tradition here and it allows me to train guys and girls to know this is how fast you need to move per second per meter and so when we get to the time to go test they know exactly how fast they need to run to pass the test so that's awesome. I like yeah. that. I, I like it because it's not, you know, the old school method. Let's just go out and let's just run. Like, let's just go out. run until you get yeah, like, we'll a dead get horse. We'll get <laughs> hope for the best on game day. Today we got better. We got better today. Let's do it all again tomorrow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, and I can, I can shut it down too. Like, uh, no, we did 90% today. We're going to do 125 in two weeks. Like this is where we're, we're going to get there. So something to look into. It's been something I'm very interested to see. So, that's awesome. Right. So How much time we got? To, we're getting to time now. So okay. Um, but man, it's awesome to have you, Bryce. Yeah. Hey, man, I appreciate you guys. I love what you guys are doing. Uh, keep it up, and whatever I can do to help out, man, just let me know. Absolutely, so, man. Yeah, I think we'll definitely have you back on and get a little bit more detailed about all of this. Yeah, too. just let me know whatever it is. I'll, I'll, I'll make it happen. So, so until until next week. Uh, and next week we take a little bit more of a collegiate, a little more collegiate, a little more athletic training side to it. So we take another jump to the other department. Um, Seven o'clock next week, and then we have three weeks is Coach Floyd. Three weeks. Dun, dun, so dun. we got to wait a little bit longer for that one. But um, until then, see everybody later, and take it easy. Thanks, guys. See y'all. Peace.